the UN has voted to impose even tougher sanctions on North Korea. Well, I guess we have nothing to worry about now. We have really tough sanctions. Well, we'll get to that coming up. Did you hear about the guy from Michigan who drove, got in his car and drove all the way to Florida before Hurricane Irma to rescue his 99-year-old aunt who had no kids of her own, no family of her own besides him? This guy, Thursday night, got in his car, didn't tell his wife until he was halfway there because he knew that she wouldn't be happy. It drove 1,200 miles into the hurricane, basically, and then showed up at his, at his aunt's doorstep, 99 years old, and she, she, she had called him and said, I'm scared. So he went to get her. This story is, boggles my mind. This guy, he's driving, right, in Florida, and he sees that there's no traffic toward Florida because he sees all these cars, tons of traffic, heading north on, on the interstate, going in the other direction, away from the storm, and he sees tons of traffic. He doesn't even know how he's going to get out once he gets there. But he says, listen, I can't abandon her. And even when he got there, he had to convince her. You know, she's like, I, I don't want to leave my stuff. And he said, listen, this stuff only helps you if you're alive. He ran. Out, he almost ran out of gas. There were no gas stations with gas at that point in, in those areas because everybody went and hoarded the gas. So he had brought along a bunch of tanks of gasoline. He kept refueling his car and he got out. Somehow he got out of Florida and got his aunt safe. Just people are amazing, the things that people will do. Uh, and, and that's the story here with the, with both of these hurricanes, Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey. It's not the government that'll help you. It's people and not just family, but strangers, too, in many cases. I, you know, I was just at, uh, before we get to the politics, I was just at uh, uh, the bank. I had to open up a new account. And there are the slogans everywhere. America's most convenient bank. This is TD Bank. And that's their slogan. America's most convenient bank. And it's plastered everywhere. I literally sat there. I was the only person in the bank. There was one other customer besides me in the bank. And I'm sitting there waiting for the customer service rep. And I literally waited for almost 10 minutes. There was nobody there. there. The customer service rep was talking to this one other guy for I don't know how long. There are seven or eight customer service desks. And they are empty except for one person. And he was helping a customer. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting at America's most convenient bank. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Now, all I ask is, I'm not saying they should be more convenient. Change the slogan. You know, don't stick it. It's every, every sign. I'm reading all the signs because I'm bored out of my wits. And they all say the same thing. Most convenient bank. Jill and Henry's most convenient bank. And don't stick it in my face. And as I sit there, surrounded by con- con- total inconvenience. I mean, just immersed in inconvenience. It is not the first time this has happened to me, by the way. You're just, why can't they change the slogan to, I don't know, I'm not saying it should be America's least convenient bank, but how about top five most convenient banks in America? How about that? Or, uh, I don't know, why can't, why can't they say America's somewhat convenient bank? If you'd like to email us, thejewishnewschannel at gmail.com. That's thejewishnewschannel at gmail.com. Or you could follow us on Twitter at Clear Talk Radio. That's our new Twitter handle, Clear Talk Radio. All right. Let's get to the politics. North Korea sanctions. Here's the deal. Okay. The UN, including China and Russia, this is unanimous again, passes these sanctions against North Korea. Now, these are weaker than what President Trump and Nikki Haley asked for. Okay. We asked for tougher sanctions. We got sort of tough sanctions, but not what we wanted. So here's what we got. We got uh, a, 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 a limit, a cap on how much oil is allowed to be sent to North Korea, how much they're allowed to import. 
They get most of their oil from China, by the way. So we're limiting the amount of oil that North Korea will be allowed to import. That's number one. Number two, we're not allowing any workers into North Korea for other countries. Telling other countries, you cannot send migrant workers into North Korea because we, they use those workers to help uh, advance their nuclear programs. Okay, that's what we have. But the oil part, and there also there are certain textile exports that we're not going to allow North Korea to ship out to other countries. But the oil part here is the main thing. Now, what did we want? We wanted a lot more. We wanted a total embargo. We wanted to allow no oil into the country. Instead, we're going to reduce it by somewhere between 10 and 30% how much oil they bring in. Oil, obviously, is, is integral, is crucial to, to North Korea and to their nuclear program. They need fuel to do you know all sorts of things. So that's a big deal, but we wanted to knock it off completely. Instead, we're getting 10 to 30%. Now, why is that? That's because of Russia and China. And the other thing we wanted, we wanted to freeze Kim Jong-un's assets, but Russia and China said, no, you cannot freeze Kim Jong-un's assets. It gets worse. We wanted to be able to get on ships, to force ships that we suspect, any country who's a UN member state, to, to, to get on ships force, forcibly, to force your way onto ships and to threaten these ships even that will take them out and shoot at them if they don't let us on, if we suspect that they're delivering uh, something that they're not allowed to deliver, illegal goods to North Korea, fuel, anything that could help their weapons program, nuclear uh, w- weapons, etc. So we wanted to do that, and China and Russia said, no, 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 no. You can ask permission. You have to get permission from the ship's captain and from the country that the ship is coming from. I mean, so there's basically no way to enforce it. Uh, that That's the joke here is like, okay, we, there's a ban. You can't send fuel and other supplies to North Korea, but there's no way for us to find out because if we suspect that a ship is is bringing stuff to North Korea, we, we have to ask their permission. And if they don't give us permission or their country doesn't give us permission, we can't even get on the ship. We can't even threaten them. We just have to let them go. So what what good does it do to have this, 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 this sanction, this boycott, if we can't enforce it? Uh, well, what do you think? If, if there's a ship bringing illegal supplies to North Korea and we say, hey, can we get on your ship? They're going to say, no. And we well, pretty please, no. Now, President Trump and Nikki Haley said, let us go on forcibly and, and, and let us threaten the ship. And China and Russia said, no, sorry. Now, here's my question for you. Why? Why are Russia and China against a, a stronger, against stronger sanctions? That's the whole point here, right? Why are they against tougher sanctions on North Korea? We're trying to stop them from developing this nuclear weapon. Why can't you freeze his assets? Why can't we stop oil altogether? And I'll tell you what they're saying, China and Russia. They're saying, no, 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 no. That's going to get Kim Jong-un upset. If we, if the sanctions are too tough, then he's going to feel like we're choking him. Then he's going to get really upset. And then who knows what he's going to do? He's going to retaliate. So instead, we have to keep the sanctions light and we have to keep them gentle. Now, folks, can I ask you, what is the point here? It, 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 I've, explain the logic here. We're trying. These sanctions are supposed to stop him from continuing to advance his nuclear weapons program. Obviously, that's going to get him upset because that's like his whole life's mission is to develop nuclear weapons and, and missiles that can launch them anywhere. So if you don't get him upset, then that means the sanctions obviously aren't working. Well, you know, we'll do tough sanctions, but we don't want to get him upset. Well, hello, what is the alternative? And and, and it's, it's really a joke because China and Russia, they really don't want to impose these sanctions at all. Over the years, we have never, ever uh, uh, seen China and Russia do even what they're doing now. Now, what, what changed? Well, the answer is, and this is sort of a good thing in a bizarre kind of way, in an ironic kind of way, 
China and Russia, they like North Korea developing nuclear weapons. It's kind of their puppet state. They, they know that if they start threatening the United States, that'll be very bad news. So instead, they have North Korea. They're helping them secretly under the radar, helping North Korea. That way, that's like in their back pocket. But and so that's why they've done nothing throughout the years. But now they're afraid of President Trump. And we've seen it time and again. They know President Trump could do all sorts of issues. China, he, he has all these threats about trade with China. And, you know, they know with Russia, President Trump has already bombed Syria one time. Russia doesn't want that to happen in Iran. So Russia and China are actually afraid of President Trump, which is a good thing. And that's why they're sort of playing along. All right, fine, we'll, we'll pass some sanctions, but they, they can't be too tough. So in that sense, it's good that they're scared of President Trump. But as far as actually getting anything done, I'm not against sanctions. But anybody who's kidding themselves, oh, now we have, well, we've had sanctions for decades. I mean, literally, this thing about going on ships, asking permission to ships and getting on and stopping supplies going to North Korea, that was actually passed by the UN Security Council all the way back in 2009. Has it done a thing to stop Kim Jong-un? No. In fact, he's, he's moving at a faster pace than ever before. So these sanctions are not going to work. Do it carry it out. Prove me wrong. I want to be proven wrong. But sanctions just don't work. We've had more sanctions in the last few months than we've put on him ever before. And what has he done? He's only moved faster because he feels even more of a threat now. So it just makes him advance further and faster. And with the help of Iran, as we reported last time. So that's your update on North Korea. Steve Bannon, this is amazing. I I really like Steve Bannon. You know, we never really heard from him when he was in the White House. And now, you know, where has he been all this time? Now we finally get this interview, but it's it's too late in a sense because he's no longer working for the White House. I wanted him to say all this stuff back when he was saying it representing President Trump, but it's still good. People need to hear it. He's so clear. He's a brilliant guy. And he's so clear on these issues. He's so not politically correct. He's not afraid to to, to scream against not only the Democrats and the liberals and the media, but even against the Republicans, the establishment, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, because he knows that they're perhaps more dangerous to President Trump's agenda than the Democrats, because they're the ones who are supposed to be on President Trump's side. And they're not. They're sabotaging him. Now, a couple of really interesting tidbits from the Steve Bannon interview. Number one, he talked about Obamacare, repeal and replace. And he said that failed. And I, he sounded like he took partial responsibility for that. For you know, He blamed Paul Ryan because he said Paul Ryan said, trust me, we'll get a pass, and it didn't happen. But Steve Bannon said this. He said, there's something going on right now. They're actually working on a deal uh, re- regarding Obamacare, but he said it's not repeal and replace. It's repair. It's let's fix Obamacare. And he didn't get into the details, but this is scary because, look, look, look we've been telling you this possibility for months. You know, President Trump just cut this deal with the Democrats. He basically knocked out the conservatives, and it was Republicans, moderates, and, and Democrats, and President Trump agreeing to raise the debt ceiling hike, right? Now they're talking about repairing Obamacare. Repairing Obamacare, in my opinion, is the worst thing you could do. I think you're going to destroy more lives than you're going to help because you're just prolonging it. Premiums will get higher. Uh, healthcare, quality of healthcare will get lower and lower, as has been happening, because it crushes the doctors. It's not just high premiums. This stuff crushes the doctors dealing with all the red tape with Obamacare and all the the, the new uh, amount of work, billing, and all, all the different insurance plans they have to keep track of. If you go to a doctor, I'm sure you know their offices right now are in a total chaos and frenzy. So I don't think repairing Obamacare does anybody any good. It just prolongs. You've got to let it collapse. And I know people, that gets a lot of people say, you can't let it collapse. How could you? How could you collapse Obamacare? Let it collapse so that you can come up with a plan that actually 
helps people as opposed to allowing the agony to just be prolonged and continued. But that's what Bannon said. But it gets even more interesting. Charlie Rose said to Steve Bannon, how can you be against illegal immigration? This country was built on immigration. Your parents are immigrants, Steve Bannon. My parents are immigrants. A lot of us, our parents, our grandparents came from other countries. So how can you be against illegal immigration? And Steve Bannon said, don't give me that. He said, he said that's beneath you, Charlie. Don't pull that. He called him on it. And he said, you and I both know that this is not, these people didn't come here illegally. The, the people, this country is built on people, countries, immigrants, but not illegal immigrants. And there's a big difference there. People who came here, our grandparents came here legally. The country invited them in and they benefited the country. They were now seeing the border illegally and destroying the country. And, and it's amazing how liberals and the media, to them, it's like they don't make this distinction. And, and why don't they? Why does Charlie Rose not make this distinction between legal immigrants and illegal immigrants? The answer is because they see it as like everybody has a right to come here. You know, how can you possibly say, how could Steve Bannon dare say that, you know what, American citizens have a right to be here, but people who are here illegally or, or people who are in foreign countries don't have a right to be here. No, no, no. Everybody, that's their starting point is everybody has a right. So to them, legal, illegal, that's just a technicality. You've got to let people into our country. And they don't understand, you know, in theory, that's very nice. It's very nice to be compassionate, but they don't understand that compassion destroys people. Because if you just open your home to anybody, to, 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 to low lives and to criminals, and you just say, hey, I have an open door policy, an open border policy, your own home, let's say your own house, right? What'll happen? You'll just destroy everybody. You'll not only destroy your house, you'll destroy the people who come in to your house. You'll destroy the visitors, the guests. You know, it's very nice to be compassionate, but you can't be so compassionate that you just stick your hand in the sand and do things that are irrational and, and that destroy your own family. So that's the flaw in that reasoning, but that's how they view it. Like, we're a country of immigrants, so therefore we're a country of illegals. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. Another really interesting thing is uh, Charlie Rose said to Steve Bannon, he said, what happened to draining the swamp? President Trump hasn't drained the swamp. He failed. And Bannon said, eight months? He said, we haven't even gotten rolling yet. In eight, how could you call anyone a failure in eight months? What did Obama do in eight months? And Bannon said, you hold President Trump to this ridiculous standard. The man has accomplished a ton. He said, draining the swamp, the swamp has been has been 50 years in the making. He said, it's a business. There's lobbyists involved. There's an insane amount of money involved in this swamp. This swamp is, he said, it, you can't even do it in two terms, drain this swamp. But you chip away slowly. And you know, that's, what Steve, that's what Steve Bannon does so well, is he kind of you know, cuts through all the clutter and the distraction. The mainstream media tries to distract you with these attacks. Oh, President Trump hasn't drained the swamp yet. It's been eight months. Steve Bannon's like, are you kidding me? Eight months? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, hello, dose of reality, reality check here, like Earth to Charlie Rose. And it was just, it was just an, incre- an incredible interview because Steve Bannon, like I said, if only people in the White House would talk this way. You know, when you hear people in the White House, they get into all the technical mumbo jumbo and they start talking about facts and figures and start defending the president. Like, let's attack. Let's go on the attack. Let's attack the media. Let's attack the establishment and let's call them out on their hypocrisy. We need more of that. All right. Thank you all for joining us once again uh, at America's Most Convenient Radio Show. And we will see you next time.